So just to quickly kind of rehash where we are here in this uh, third week of January. Uh, I let you guys know uh, at the beginning of the year, actually towards the end of the year, that our theme over the next several months, however long it takes for the up for 2021, is love like Jesus. We, uh, we started off with a theme in 2020 where we were going to be focusing on Romans 12 and what Paul writes uh, in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, what it looks like to really, to really um, engage Jesus Christ and live out his words as the church of Jesus Christ. So we started that in 2020. We got a little bit sidetracked uh, due, to the, due to the virus. But we're picking it back up, kind of, sort of, because there's so much relation between, between stuff that we're going to be talking about and Romans 12. But anyway, our theme this year for 2021 once more is going to be and is love like Jesus. Learning what it looks like to love like Jesus, looking to Scripture to understand how to love like Jesus. And in particular, uh, we're going to be focusing on two Scriptures. I've already I've, I've given those over the last three or four weeks, and I, and I don't want to repeat myself a whole lot, but those scriptures come out of the book of Mark, chapter 12, where Jesus gives us his two uh, greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and the second one comes from John 13, 34, and 35, love one another, this is how people will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another, and uh, this is where we're grounding ourselves, we're grounding ourselves in the importance of the absolute vital importance and, and commandments of Christ, that loving one another is just as equal as loving God in the eyes of God. And Jesus says that himself in the Gospels. He says, love the Lord your God again with your, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the other is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we're grounding ourselves once again as our foundation in those two scriptures understanding the very importance of, of loving our neighbor as ourselves. So as we look to what it looks like to love like Jesus, how to love like Jesus, we are diving into Jesus' longest sermon in the Gospels and also his most famous sermon, and that, of course, being the Sermon on the Mount. Learning to love like Jesus through the lens of the Sermon on the Mount. And we started getting into the Sermon on the Mount uh, two weeks ago, actually. And the first portion of Jesus' words that we look, looked at in the sermon dealt with enemy love, loving your enemies. He said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say, love your enemies and, uh, and, and pray for those who persecute you. That's a very difficult directive that Christ gives us, yet it is the one that we are called to live into. Last week, we talked about revenge. We talked about, uh, we talked about retaliation. And uh, how these are not of Christ. It is, uh, it, is, it is within our human nature, and I would argue our sinful human nature, that when we are hurt, when people hurt us, when people we feel betray us, we want to get back at them. We want to seek revenge. We want to seek retaliation. Jesus says, no, this is not the way of God. This is, this is not the way of people who are my disciples. That we, uh, that we do not respond to people, even when we are hurt in revenge and in retaliation. But we respond to them through gracious, gracious love and mercy. So let's go ahead and continue on into our scripture reading this morning. And it's, again, as it was the last couple of weeks, it's going to be coming out of the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 specifically. It 
So if you have a Bible there by your side or at your easy disposal, I, I would hope that you would read along with me. If you've got a smartphone, you, got a, you have a Bible app on your phone, I'd encourage you to look it up and, and follow along as we read together the words of Jesus Christ. Again, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And that is the word of God for the people of God. So as I uh, am delivering this sermon, I'm actually recording it uh, on Tuesday of this week and so many things the way that things have been going recently so many things are liable so many things are very apt to transpire in our country between the time that i actually record this sermon and the time that you view it this is a uh, this is a very tumultuous time in our nation this is a very tumultuous time in our local communities even hands down this is the most tumultuous and divisive time in in my in my lifetime that I can recall anyway I don't have any desire to preach American politics but I think that it is vital absolutely vital for us as the church of Jesus Christ to understand our role during this tumultuous time I think it's vitally important for us as the church of Jesus Christ the people of Jesus Christ to understand how we are called to live into this moment. A little over a week and a half ago, by the time you guys watched this sermon, by the time you guys watched this video, we witnessed a very, very violent attack on our nation's capital. It is an event that none of us will ever forget. I want to note that this despicable act of violence was not committed at the hands of Muslim extremists. It wasn't committed at the hands of any foreign enemy, and it was not committed at the hands of whatever the latest boogeyman happens to be that we have contrived in our hearts and in our minds. This heinous act was committed by our own people. This heinous act was committed by our neighbors, our brothers, and our sisters. Among the crowd that day, the images, however, that will always be burned into the deepest recesses of my mind were those of the people who were carrying crosses. It will be the images in my mind of those people who were carrying signs that read, Jesus saves. What I will remember most about that day will be the people committing these violent, heinous acts 
while they were carrying other banners, other images, declaring the name of Jesus Christ and conflating them with political ideologies and with political figures. This, which was hands down the most violent day in United States history, committed at the hands of our own people, was not only a low point for our country, it was a low point for Christianity. It was a low point for the global church of Jesus Christ. As a pastor and as a Christian in general, it will always be on my heart and in my memory that the most visible witness for Jesus Christ on that day were the actions of domestic terrorists who were carrying many, many banners and many, many images displaying the name of our Lord and our Savior. I want you to recall the last couple of weeks that we discussed loving like Jesus once again through the Sermon on the Mount. If you were with us, try to recall those sermons. Try to recall those scriptures. I mentioned them briefly earlier. As we looked to understand how we love as Jesus loves through the lens of the Sermon on the Mount. How did the actions of those claiming Christ as Lord on that day at our capital, those who were involved in that reprehensible event, how do those actions reflect loving our enemies? And here I'm strictly going on the assumption that those in that crowd believe they had enemies. How did those claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ in that crowd, how did their actions reflect enemy love? How did they reflect Jesus' directives that we discussed last week? on issues such as retaliation and revenge, even if they feel they had been wronged? How did those claiming Christ as Savior and Lord, how did their actions reflect the words of Jesus? Looking at today's scriptures from Matthew 5, 13 through 16, how did the actions of those proclaiming Jesus to be their Savior on that day show the world the light of Jesus Christ? How did those people flavor the atmosphere with the salt of Jesus' love? The answer is they did not. What we saw on that day was nothing less than unadulterated, pure evil. I would almost go far, so far as to say that what we saw on that day was satanic and demonic. We talked a little bit about violence last week as we explored Jesus' admonition not to seek revenge or not to seek retaliation against those who harm us. Make no mistake about this. Violence is not of God. Violence is not of God. Violence in our hearts, violence in our words, and certainly not violence initiated through our hands. You can rest assured that any act of violence that is supposedly perpetrated in the name of God certainly is not of God. As our scriptures 
say today, as our scriptures remind us today. We are called not to be darkness, but we are called to be light to the world. We're called to be that kind of light that dispels darkness, that kind of light that dispels evil, that kind of light that dispels human violence, that kind of light that resists all forms of evil. If you happen to be watching this today and you're a, you are a United Methodist, I want to remind you of your baptismal vows. These are the vows that everyone takes when they are baptized into the United Methodist Church. You are asked, number one, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Do you reject the evil powers of this world and do you repent of your sin? The second question you were asked, do you accept the freedom and the power that God gives you to resist evil, to resist injustice, and to resist oppression in whatever forms they may present themselves? Thirdly, you are asked, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you put your whole trust in His grace and do you promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with His church, which Christ has opened to all people of all ages, nations, and races. Being the light of Christ in the world also means actively resisting and actively renouncing all forms of evil. All of those things which are anti-Christ. Being the salt of the earth does not mean that we flavor the world with the world's evil. It means that we do not flavor the world with the same evil that the world flavors our atmosphere with. The evil of violence, the evil of hatred, the evil of injustice, the evil of oppression. But being the salt of the earth, as Jesus calls us to be, calls us to flavor our atmosphere flavor our communities, flavor our nation with love, with grace, with mercy, and with peace. And it is because of the freedom that we have to resist sin. As Christians, we have that freedom to resist sin. It's given to us freely through Jesus Christ. Because of this gift, we are able to do this. We are able to resist sinful evil. I'll remind you of the words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians. And this is another scripture that we have been using uh, as we learn to love like Jesus. as one of our foundational scriptures. But I want to remind you again of, this, of the words of Paul from Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. I'll add to it. Do not use your freedom to indulge the ways of the world. Do not use your freedom to indulge your own selfishness. Do not use your freedom to indulge your own self-centeredness. Do not use your freedom to indulge the violence of this world. Do not use your freedom to indulge the hatred of this world. Do not use your freedom to indulge the injustice of this world. Do not use your freedom to indulge the oppression 
of this world, but rather, Paul writes, serve one another humbly in love. And he reminds us once again of the words of Jesus. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our United Methodist South Georgia Conference Bishop, R. Lawson Bryan, um, gave us this directive last week in the week in the, uh, in the wake of the events of our capital. Very, very similar ideas, very, very similar themes to what we're talking about today. Bishop Bryan said this. He said, there is that which wants violence. There is that which wants hatred. There is that which wants oppression. And there is that that wants death. And he asked us as United Methodist, he asked us as Baptist, he asked us as Pentecostals, he asked us as Independents, he asked us as Roman Catholics, he asked us as Christians, as the Church of Jesus Christ. Will we give in to this violence or will we resist it? through the freedom and the power that God gives us? Will we resist this violence in our ways of thinking? Will we resist this violence in our ways of speaking? And certainly will we resist this violence in our ways of acting? Church, will we preach this? Will we teach this? And will we promote this in our communities and in our nation? Will we call upon our leaders in the church and in our communities to model this gospel-based resistance to violence? Church, I would ask you this. Let us humbly seek to understand our own souls. Let us humbly bow before God, searching into the deepest recesses of our hearts, the deepest recesses of our minds. Where are we guilty of this same violence? Where are we guilty of being darkness instead of light? Where are we being guilty of flavoring the world with anything but the salt that is the love and the peace of Jesus Christ? Where do we perpetrate these things in our own lives? Where are we complicit in areas where we do not speak out where we do see violence, where we do see injustice, where we do not see the love of Christ. And certainly, church, certainly, where are we complicit when we do not speak out about Christians, people proclaiming Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who perpetrate violence through their words and through their actions. Let's seek our own souls and let us repent where we are guilty of. Let us repent of that violence that starts in our hearts. Let us renounce and let us resist it with our words and with our actions. Let us be the salt that flavors the earth with Christ's goodness. And let us be the light that dispels all evil and all darkness so that Christ may be glorified, so that his kingdom 
may be known so that we may truly love our neighbors as ourselves. And I want to conclude today's sermon with a prayer that was written this past week by Reverend Carolyn Moore, who is a United Methodist pastor in Evans, Georgia. Reverend Moore wrote these words, wrote this prayer, penned this prayer, and distributed it several days following the events at our, at our capital. And I think it's not only a beautiful prayer, but I think it's one that we all, hopefully, we should, but hopefully we will take to heart and truly offer to God. Dear Lord, we cry out to you this morning with deep grief over the state of our country and the state of our world. We pray for your Holy Spirit to calm the waters, to bring peace to our land and to its people, to speak truth and love over us all. We pray for the Spirit of Christ to settle on all people and for your mercy to cover us. We humbly ask, Father, for the fruit of the Spirit to be manifested, especially among those who claim the name of Jesus Christ. Fill us all again with your Holy Spirit. We pray together with Jesus for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Cultivate in us a hunger for the kingdom of God and forgive us for idolizing lesser kingdoms and lesser kings. Renew a right spirit in us and make us a light in this dark, dark world. We plead and we pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.